everyone, welcome back to the last Word on Sends podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger, and no guests with me today. I tried to get someone, but the uh, timing just didn't work out. But it's been almost a month since I've last recorded, so I did want to get a podcast out uh, because there has been uh, 10 Ottawa Sounders games since uh, we last put an episode out. Um, there's definitely been a lot that, that has happened. As I'm recording this, I'm about 20 minutes uh, off of watching the Ottawa Senators drop a 4-1 loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. And I'm I'm at a loss of words once again with this team. It feels like this is at least already the third time I've come onto this podcast just to rant this year. The up and down performance from this team is simply unbelievable. And there's a lot to get into I had mentioned the Ottawa Senators have play, uh, played 10 games since I last posted a podcast. Um, the results of those games are a 5-4 win in overtime against Detroit, 2-1 in a shootout against Minnesota, uh, and those were obviously both uh, in Sweden uh, in some pretty exciting games, I would say. Uh, and then they come back home, lose to the Islanders 5-3, lose to the Panthers 5-0 in one of the most embarrassing performances I've ever watched. Lose to the four, uh, 4-2 to the Columbus Blue Jackets in an equally embarrassing performance. Beat the Kraken 2-0. Beat the Rangers 6-2 in the best game they've played all season, in my opinion. Lose to the Leafs 4-3 in a game that they should have absolutely won and threw away points because of just a couple stupid mistakes. Beat the Red Wings 5-1 in a game that we will definitely get into. And then tonight followed up with just a brutal performance against the Carolina Hurricanes. And once again, one of the worst second periods that seems to be a trend for this team. They cannot string together anything that even resembles 60 good minutes of hockey. And it's costing them games. It's it's just frankly unacceptable. Uh, I, I don't know how many different ways there are to say this. Uh... And the most frustrating part about it is that they play the games like they played against the New York Rangers, where they play a solid game. Like, they dominated the Rangers. And it's like, obviously, you cannot expect that every night. But something even like 65% of that, 75% of that most nights would be great. You would be in so many more games. And instead, you know, they go and play a game like the Rangers, uh, where I thought they looked amazing. They play... Pretty well overall against the Leafs, but just about 10 minutes of falling asleep that absolutely cost them that game. And again, if the season had been going better, that loss against the Leafs, it's like, oh, that stings, but that's all right. They put together a pretty good performance. Play pretty well against the Red Wings and then just fall flat on their face against Carolina. So they are no longer above 500, equal or above 500 once again. They cannot get over that hump. And you know, I keep saying games on hand, games in hand uh, in on the teams that they uh, are trying to catch in this Eastern Division. It's like games in hand don't matter if you win two and then lose two and then win two and then lose two. It just, you're not going to get anywhere doing that. And this team has once again put themselves in a spot where they need to win upwards of three to four games in a row just to even get back into the sniff of things. Like 11 and 12 through 23 games is not going to cut it. Because if this continues, even with the five to six games that they have on hand, even if they go three and two in that, that puts them at 14 and 14. Like, that team is still 14, 14 and 0, is still nowhere near a playoff spot. And I just, 
Like, that would be 28 points. They'd be ahead of the Sabres and the Canadians, and that is it. They'd be behind the Lightning by three points. They'd be behind the Red Wings by four points. Probably more, actually, after this. The Red Wings are up by four right now. Like, they're just... They're not a good hockey team. And that is brutal to say, because I really think there is the makings of a team that can be good. But the way they are playing right now... They are not a good hockey team, and I don't know if that is fully construction. I don't know if that is coaching, a bit of both. I think I'm at the point where I don't know how the ownership team and the management team can justify keeping DJ Smith around. I think it is actively hurting the team more than it ever has before, and at this point, even if you're trying to avoid causing uh, even less stability than you've already had, again, I've said it before and I'll say it again, stability doesn't matter if the what you're being stable in is sucking. It just won't, it doesn't matter. It's, it's so, so frustrating. Because again, like, if you just look at it in pockets where you watch their game against the Rangers, their game against the Leafs, and their game against the Red Wings, you probably come out of that being like, this team is pretty good. Like, they can kind of make a run. They're turning the corner. But then you have a game like, like tonight against the Carolina Hurricanes, who are a good team. A very, very good team. But they've struggled this year. They were 14-12-1 heading into tonight. And you just, you can't get anything going at all. And not only that, again, if you play well but just can't buy one against what is usually a pretty solid defensive team, that can be understandable here and there. But the, quote, bounces aren't going our way is not an acceptable excuse in year six of the rebuild when that's all you've been peddling for the last four or five years. And... Even tonight, Tim Stutzla had one of the worst games I have ever seen him play in his professional hockey career. He should have had his ass sat on the bench so early in that game with how he was playing. And instead, there's just nothing. There's no accountability from this coach or this team. The 3-1 goal is a 2-1-0 back the other way because of a lazy change and a bad read from the bench as well. Everyone is to blame from that. Chitron, everyone looking on the bench too that aren't paying attention. And the coach is just sitting sulking behind the bench, not saying anything. How do you put up with that? It's unbelievable. Like, I, I get he's a player's coach. Players like playing for him. All that good stuff. But show a little backbone once in a while. I don't know, I genuinely cannot remember the last time a player got sat down because of making mistakes. Core player or not. Like, the only time I can think about it in DJ Smith's entire career is the odd Branstrom time when he didn't like a pinch that Branstrom made and then suddenly wouldn't see the ice again. But anyone else on this team seems to be untouchable regardless of how they're playing. And you're just not going to string together wins like that. They're 5-5-0 five, five and oh in their last 10, and that seems exactly right. 500 hockey is going to get you nowhere near the playoffs. If you finish the year with 82 points, you are 10-plus points out of the playoffs. It's as simple as that. So, it's... Again, it's very frustrating. Um, I think a lot of it's on the coach. And again, I just... I cannot get around to any other decision, then the coach needs to go. Even if the players need to improve, which they absolutely do, because the players need to be held accountable here too, but removing the coach that they all seem to love so much, that might have to be the way to kind of kickstart them. You know, you love playing for this guy so much, why don't you actually put some effort in? 
So, I, I, I've said for a month and a half, though, I don't know how DJ Smith has a job. And he still just manages to keep it. So, I, I, I just kind of fail to see how anything's going to change right now. Um, especially with the schedule they have coming up. I absolutely could see that as an excuse of, oh, well, we're so busy, we don't want to make a change in, in like uh, such a crucial part of our year or whatever. When, in reality, if you're playing this bad, that is exactly when you should be making that kind of change. I just, I, I don't get it. And and again, like, the players need to own a lot of this too. Um, I don't think really any of the core players have been performing up to their expectations. Uh Thomas Shabbat is hurt again, which is just super unfortunate. I didn't think he's been having the greatest year. Tim Stutzla has not looked like himself this year. He looks like he is forcing it on every part of the ice. Brady Kachuk is a lot of the same way. I think you still see flashes from Brady, but it just, even tonight, Brady Kachuk gets, they, they get a penalty shot. Brady Kachuk gets tripped on a penalty shot, which pretty weird play. I honestly think that should probably be either a goal, another penalty, or a penalty shot again. Because he just literally only took out his feet. But Brady Kachuk gets up and starts jawing at the goalie, jawing at the bench, gets himself kicked out. It's like, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because at the end of the day, they weren't coming back from a 4-1 deficit with three and a half minutes left or whatever, especially after he misses that penalty shot. But it's like, it's almost like fake outrage is the best way I can put it, where it's like this team needs to be down four goals before they do anything. Same with the line brawl against the Florida Panthers. Like, Show a little backbone before that point. You know, this outrage when you're down four goals of five minutes left is so boring to me. And I've seen the first couple times that happens, oh, I like that they keep fighting to the end. It's like fighting to the end doesn't mean jack if you just lay over and die in the first 40 minutes of the game. And again, like not every night is going to be perfect. No team is in this league, but there's just no consistency whatsoever with this team. And it is so infuriating to watch. And again, it's not like they're playing that great of hockey. Like they've been fine. They're up to, I think, 19th in uh, shot attempts for uh, and against, or shot, shot attempts percentage, basically, Corsi 4. Uh, and in expected goals, they are right around the same, 22nd. So, like, they're creeping in the middle of the pack, which is better. But, it, it, like, for a team that keeps claiming they're not getting the bounces, they're not really creating any other bounces either. And I just don't understand what they expect to change when they're not changing anything. And, again, even just the amount of dump and chase they play is absurd. Four minutes left in the game, you're down a goal, and it's just like dump and chase, dump and chase. Like against Toronto, it happened three times. It's like, guys, keep possession. This team is a skilled team that needs to be built on winning by possession. Instead, they're just getting rid of it when they get to the red line, which 90% of the time just ends in a turnover in possession because the goalie will stop it or a defender will get there first. It just doesn't work. It simply does not work. And I get it's just everything coming together right now is very frustrating to watch with this team. Um, because overall, if you look at their last 10 to 12 games, the underlying numbers are probably better than the previous 10 to 12. But when you've been this bad for this long and you start the season out like they did again, getting moral victories does, does not matter. It doesn't matter. 
If this was three years ago, it'd be like, yeah, great. They're playing hard. They're playing tough or whatever, and they're just not as good of a team. They are better than a lot of the teams that they are behind right now. Simple as that. And to go and put performances like the Florida Panthers game, where you lose 5 nothing, you're absolutely just embarrassed in that game. You have the big line brawl where everyone gets the 10 minutes or whatever. To follow that up against Columbus, where they just look lifeless in the second period for like the 19th game this year. How there's not serious consequences after that is mind-blowing to me. And then they go play Seattle. I think they play a pretty good game, you know, Saturday, bounce-back game, 2-0. Was it perfect? No. Like, I thought, the, I think it was Forsberg in net for that game. Like, he, he stood on his head. Um, but as much as I say, like they get the win, which is what they needed. And you know, they, they get a shot 39 to 28, but that, those are kind of the, those are the games they now have to win because they put themselves in a spot where they just can't afford not to. And they followed up again with the Rangers game that I only got to see about half of it, but I thought that was like the best game they have played all year, hands down. You know, they took a, a Rangers team that is off to a very, very hot start and took that game to them. Uh, the shots ended up 35-35, but a lot of that was score effects with how how up early Ottawa was in that game. Like, I, I was really impressed with that performance. And then again, they, they turn around against a Leafs team where the Leafs starting goalie goes down in Joseph Wall uh, with about 10 minutes left in the third. And... You just can't get one against Martin Jones. And the bounces didn't go our way. It's like, that's not a good reason to lose that game. Especially because the quote-unquote bounces that went the other way. Like, yeah, they're unlucky. But you've been unlucky for four years. At some point, it's not just bad luck. It's a lack of talent, a lack of discipline, and a lack of structure. Or all of the above. And I, I don't think it's talent as much as the other two. The the talent is there, and sure, the the fourth line, you know, the depth on this roster, I think, is still very questionable. the The fourth line, you know, Hamannick, I, I just at this point really is not an NHL caliber player, and those things, I think, definitely need to be addressed. But those things are not the difference between a team being in the playoff hunt and completely out of it, like this team is. It, it starts with their big guys, you know, Tim Stutzla has not been himself all year. Brady Kachuk, I mentioned, you know, he's shown some fight a little bit throughout the, the season, but there's been a lot of the times where you're not really used to seeing what we think we should see out of him. Drake Batherson has been very disappointing at times this year. Josh Norris has been up and down as well, where he shows real flashes and then, you know, doesn't look quite like himself. I'm hoping that's still just recovering from the injury, but it's just up and down this lineup. There's been about eight guys total on the team, I would say that have truly performed up to their expectations or above them. And you're just, you're not going to have success like that. And, you know, that includes the goalies too. Um, I wouldn't say this year has been their fault by any means. You know, last episode with uh, Tyler Ray, we kind of dove into that a little bit. But at the same time, you know, Jonas Corposalo, they did give him a, a decent contract and he's sitting at about... Zero point or negative zero point eight goal saved above expected, so right around league average. But you know, out of forty goalies that have played five hundred uh, minutes or more, he sits at um, 
where is he here? Sorry. He is about 30th or 32nd of those those goalies. So, you know, it's it's not good enough either. Uh, you know, it's... And, and Forsberg, is, Forsberg looked really good in uh, the game against Seattle, but he has had some rough stretches this year. And the goaltending shouldn't need to bail them out every night, but it's got to give them a fighting chance. And at times it has not done that either. I, I don't think it's been the main problem. And I think you could even argue that with just some more defensive structure, it would improve because I've just never seen a team, even in their rebuilding days, that just play this poorly in their own end. Um, tonight on on the 4-1 goal, I want to say, Stutzel just completely gives up on Ajo at the blue line. Ajo walks in and rips a shot out. And it's like, that can't happen. These guys are getting paid way too much to allow that to go in. And to give that kind of effort on a back check that is clearly a dangerous spot. Which, again, any game would be frustrating, but when you constantly seem to just fall apart in the second period, and that is the kind of effort you're giving, it's just unbelievable, to be honest. Um, like, I'm at a loss for words. I, I really am in terms of how poorly run this team is when it comes to the coaching side of things. Uh, even the special teams has been quite the letdown this year. Like the team is I think 20th right now in power play percentage at 18.3%. And they, they have more talent than that. The San Jose Sharks have a higher power play percentage completion than them. That's unacceptable. It's just, it, it really is unacceptable. There's no other way to put it. And then you get to their PK percentage, and that is fifth worst in the league. Their penalty kill is brutal. The amount, again, it just comes back to no defensive awareness from anyone on this team, seemingly. And I struggle because I, the players need to take responsibility for that, but that's got to be coaching, too, at this point. Like, when it's this bad, it absolutely has to be coaching. And that's why, like... I don't know who would be the best option to replace DJ Smith, but at this point, I think almost getting just anyone out so you can bring him in would be good. Uh, bring someone, getting him out so you can bring anyone in would be good. And uh, they obviously did hire um, Jacques Martin as a, I believe, senior advisor to the head coach is what his official title is, which to me just sounds like that is exactly what we're hoping for of Guy that's going to sit there, and as soon as they've really had enough, he's going to replace DJ Smith. That That is what it feels like to me. Um, obviously, that's not for sure, but I just it seems like a weird fit if that's not. And I think the reason bringing in someone like Martin, who is in his 70s now, the reason it might actually make sense is it's not someone you need to really feel you owe anything to long-term, if that makes sense. So if it gets to December uh, 31st and and they're still really just not in a spot where they feel they can go forward and they remove DJ Smith, it's not like they need to go get... Because the, the thing with someone like um, Jay Woodcroft, for example, who I think would be a good option. Dean Evison's another guy who just got fired, obviously. To get them off of where they are now because they're still being paid for by their former team, you'd probably need to offer a substantial raise and multiple years where... Maybe you don't want to commit to that. And I can understand that. But at least this gives you an out where you can probably just give the rest of the year the contract and then evaluate in the summer. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But to me, a change just absolutely has to be made uh, if this team wants to be serious about keeping moving up in the standings.
The one other thing I did definitely want to touch on uh, before I get out of here. Um, again, this will be a bit of a quick episode. I'm hoping to get another episode next week with uh, more in-depth maybe. Um, but the David Perron uh, cross-check is something we definitely need to touch on and that whole play against the Detroit Red Wings. Um, so if anyone missed it, Parker Kelly and uh, Matthew Joseph, uh, they were on a penalty kill i believe maybe not uh but puck scrambles out in front loose puck goes out they both go to kind of box uh dylan larkin out joseph's hand slash stick get larkin up high in the side of the head slash neck area larkin goes down and is just completely motionless like scary scary scene um let's start with that i don't think it was on purpose i I think that is pretty obvious to me that uh what joseph did was definitely not something like where he was trying to injure Larkin by any stretch of the imagination. Like you, you have to be so delusional in my opinion to think that, um, that being said, he did get him up high. It was a penalty and they called it a two minute rough. So they, they originally gave him a match penalty and then took it from five to two, which I think is the right call a two minute cross tracking or two minute roughing, whatever you want to give them a uh, super unfortunate outcome. And, you know, definitely Joseph has to be more aware of where he's placing his stick and his hands and can't get a guy up high. But it was more like that was a freak accident more than anything else. But the bigger taking talking point from it is Zub, who is then standing over him, calling for help from the bench. David Perron turns around. I don't know if he didn't see what happened, didn't see who did it or what. See Zub standing over him. I guess just you know, doesn't look that he's calling and just two hand cross checks him right into the neck in one of the most gutless plays I've seen in a long time. Um, I cannot believe the amount of Detroit fans that were like, what about Joseph? But what about Joseph? Like, Hey, the thing I cannot get over with this para play is even if you want to say it was good to stick up for his guy, I, when you're doing it to the wrong guy, I think I, I completely disagree with that take, but at least I can see where you're coming from. But there's a difference between sticking up for your guy and just cross-checking a dude in the neck in one of the filthiest plays you can do. Like, that is just, that is gross, to be completely honest with you. Um, if you were to drop the gloves and throw in a couple punches, to me, that is more respectable than trying to decapitate someone with your stick. Uh, and so he gets six games, Alan Walsh, who is his agent, then pops off on Twitter calling it a joke, which is just insane to me. I, I think you can definitely make the argument that the, I mean, not even an argument, I think it's just a fact that the Department of Player Safety is a joke. But the idea that him getting six games for clearly intending to injure someone on a play like this is bad, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. Um, they're, they're already appealing it. I hope for the league's sake this does not get reduced. I don't say this as a, even a sense fan because Artem Zub was fine, you know, and at the end of the day, it was a really stupid play and their defense is going to be pro in like 800 games or something has never been suspended. And that's great. That doesn't make what he did any less dangerous or any less maliciously intent, intended, sorry. You know, like just because he hadn't done something stupid like that before doesn't mean you should give him a pass. And this sends a horrible standard for the league if they reduce this to three or four games because you were just telling anyone you can take free reign at someone's neck or head as hard as you can with a two-handed cross check and the most you're going to miss is maybe a road trip a short road trip at that so i i hope larkin's okay it seems like he's only going to be day to day so fingers crossed that is the case um you know freak accident you really don't want to see that and you know you just hope that for his sake he is okay and gets back playing soon um, 
you know, for Perron, it was just a really stupid decision. Um, it, it's made compounded so much worse that he goes and cross-checks the dude that didn't even do anything and is calling for help from his bench. To go do that is just a brutal look. But just the play itself is is pretty ugly to me. Again, like, I would have had more respect for it if he just dropped the both, both his gloves and threw a couple punches instead of trying to use his stick to cross-check someone like that. Um, and again, it's a reactionary game. That's what people's defense is going to be, but that does not excuse intending to injure anyone. And case in point, and this is not an Ottawa Senators thing, but another Department of Player Safety thing that came was uh, Eric Goodbranson, Nick Cousins in, in Columbus and Florida this week. Uh, Nick Cousins drills Goodbranson in the numbers right from behind. Uh, they somehow only call it two minutes, which is just absolutely brutal officiating. Uh, and then Goodbranson, about five minutes later, lets Cousin come down his wing, dog tackles him to the ground, and punches him in the back of the head twice. It's like the officials need to take care of that so that Goodbranson doesn't feel he has to. Uh, but Goodbranson, I think, only got one game for that, which which blows my mind. Um, I guess the final thing on the David Perron thing, uh, you know, Derek Lalonde kind of walked his comments back. You know, he, he mentioned the Matthews cross check last year, which I think got one or two games and said it was similar to that. It was not similar to that. Matthews was in frustration and was also stupid, but like Perron saw the guy, knew exactly what he was doing and meant to go for the head area with a two-handed cross check. Um, but right after the game and, you know, for all the Detroit fans screaming, how does Joseph not get uh, suspended for this? Right after the game, Derek Lalonde said he thought that the refs handled it correctly and it was a tough situation, but they did a good job. And he went to further explain that they called the fives, they reviewed it, took the one down to a two because they said it was a high hit, but it was not intentional in any way, bad outcome. But then the Perron play was intentional. He said it was a bad play that can't happen. So the fact that your own head coach is saying that they got the call right on the ice, you know, regardless of what you want to say about the actual length of suspension, that should be enough right there to dispel the, any need for a suspension for someone like Matthew Joseph. So... Um, just a brutal play. You, you don't want to see any part of that in hockey. You know, no one wants to see Dylan Larkin down on the ice. Um, it's just, you know, again, a, a freak accident on a play that, yep, definitely the, the sentence players have to be more responsible on where they're they're checking. But again, like that, that kind of play easily happens once a night in the NHL. And, you know, 98% of the time, it's not an injury on it. So, um, again, definitely a penalty, but anyone wanting more than that, I think, is just kind of out to lunch on this one. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, I'm hoping to get another episode in before Christmas. I hope everyone is enjoying the holiday season. Um, and hopefully the Auto Centers in their very busy December here can turn the tides a little bit and give us something to cheer about going forward because it, uh, it's been definitely an up-and-down ride this season. It would be nice to, to see them... Put together five or six game stretch where they just go and dominate four of the six games and go like four one and one or something like that. That would be a, a really nice change of pace from what we've seen from this team for a long time now. For being truthful, so uh, thank you everyone so much for listening. As always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. The podcast on Twitter at Last Word on Sends. Uh, you can listen to my other podcast wherever you're listening to this, and that is the MNM Hockey Podcast. I do it with my uh, good friend Chase McCallum. Uh, and we post on that uh, weekly, talking about all things in the league, Ottawa, uh, you know, Toronto, Montreal, all the Atlantic teams especially, but uh, everyone in the league as well with the uh, relevant news. So go check that out if you have time as well. And you can always find all my work at lastwordonhockey.com. Thank you everyone so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>